Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome, friends, to another r slash malicious compliance video. If you want to help put a big old smile on my face, all you got to do is hit those like and subscribe buttons down below. That said, our first story of the day is by Up Above It All. I was forced to eat at fancy restaurants for a month. Many years ago, I got put on a work assignment for months that required me to travel to New York City and stay every Monday to Friday. I was assisting a company manager with a project and my hotel was near his regular office in the theater district. If you're not familiar, the theater district is heavily built for tourists. Restaurants are generally kind of fancy and expensive. There weren't really any quick and cheap options for dining in that area. The company had a generous meal policy of up to $30-$40 to per meal for travel expenses. I did use that for a bit, but the food got to feeling too indulgent and kind of ridiculous given it was an extended assignment. Also, I was working really long hours and didn't want to go sit in restaurants, I just wanted to go watch TV and sleep in my room. So after the first week or so, I instead went to a grocery store on Monday night. I bought some basics for cereal, sandwiches and snacks and some frozen meals I could microwave for lunch in the office. It cost about $60. I then took a few cans of soda from my hotel fridge to make room for my weekly food purchase and returned them before checking out at the end of the week. And that was it for food costs, with an occasional meal out here or there. I did the same the next four weeks, submitted my expense report at the end of the month. You know where this is going. A lady from accounting called and refused to reimburse my expenses because $60 is more than $40, the max allowance for a meal purchase. I explained that it covered 5 days of food, but was told it didn't matter. I then spent the next month trying all the food in the neighborhood. There really weren't any cheap options. I went out to eat a few mornings, lunch whenever I found the time, and dinner absolutely every day. I could have bought a few installments of groceries, but the once a week shopping convenience was part of why I'd wanted them. It had also seemed wasteful for me to go out for an expensive meal every night for long term travel, but now I'd been told that was preferred by accounting to my grocery bills. The next month, I got a call from my New York City manager asking how I'd run through more budget every week of the month than the entire month before combined. I explained the grocery situation and he thanked me and hung up. About 10 minutes later, that same lady from accounting called me to tell me they'd pay my still not reimbursed grocery bill and any going forward, as long as the daily amount averaged for the week was under the aggregate meal allowance. I happily returned to a more reasonable diet. I think the funniest thing about this story is not that they immediately caved and the CEO was like, what's going on? It's that even though they did correct that, their policy is still like weirdly too lenient. Like if OP was feeling vindictive, they could have just kept going on with it. If you tried to save the company money and they denied reimbursement because of some stupid side rule, would that make you vindictive enough to go out and try just about every restaurant in town? Let me know in the comments down below. Our next story is by Grappling Gigahertz. Manager complains about driving route, saves five British pounds, 
7 USD a month but cost the company $1,400. I had a job some years ago where I needed to visit a different customer's premises every day. There were many of us doing this job across several teams and the expectation was that you drove using your own car and were paid a mileage rate, there were no company provided cars. All was fine until I changed from one team to another and the new manager queried my first mileage claim submitted to them. The location of our office was on the edge of town and to reach many of our customers, you could either drive on the main road to the next town, which got you there quickly and safely, or you could take some narrow country lane which were a nightmare to drive through, so everyone obviously used the main road. But the manager had discovered the country lane route was three quarters of a mile shorter, so one and a half miles on a round trip. That made an 82 cent difference to the mileage claim for each day. A visit to a customer took a whole day. The manager refused to authorize the claims for the main road route and insisted I resubmitted with the lower mileage as that was what the company rules said you could claim. Fine, no problem. The claim for the month was reduced by 5 British pounds, $7. But then I told them I was no longer going to use my car to drive to customers, any customers, anywhere. There was no obligation in the employment contract to do so, and being in the UK, as a long-term employee, there was no way they could get rid of me. The issue was that our customers were not that far away at around 15 miles, but they were mainly in remote areas or on the edge of town industrial estates where there was no direct public transport. If you did try and use public transport, then a 30-minute journey turned into a two-hour journey with all the connections, and a one-day customer visit became a two-day visit, so having productivity. For the next month's claim, instead of paying around 8 British pounds, $11 a day in mileage, the company now had to pay for a rental car or a taxi, both of which cost around 50 pounds, $70, a day. My travel claims now went from around $230 a month to $1,400, all to save $7. After the first month, as the manager had a team of 10 all doing the same work, they initially spent an inordinate amount of time trying to allocate me customers that were on public transport routes. But then my colleagues in the team, who'd also been taken to task by the manager over the same mileage issue, and other matters as well, as they could be irritatingly pedantic about many things, saw what was going on and also started to refuse to use their own cars. Eventually, after some months, senior management had to step in when they saw how their travel budget was being exhausted and decreed that people could claim for the sensible route. Most went back to driving, but some of us remained using taxis and rental cars as there was still no contractual obligation to use your own car. Hey man, when your manager can go to that upper brass and say, I found a way to save us $5.74 a week. That's right, we're gonna save $23 this month. It's just too irresistible. You gotta force that back road country route. How dare all these lowly peons try to rip you off. Working for this company, taking the main road that's actually paved and proper for actually driving upon, comes with tax on it. Forget about it, might as well just take that public transport. Our next story is by Javi Maravillas. I'll make you stay the three months notice if you don't work hard. Notice period negotiation. In a company, I had a three month notice period that was ridiculously long for my level. I spoke with my manager that I was going to relocate for personal reasons, 
and I was leaving the company and I needed to negotiate the notice period to two months. I offered to work on the weekend, extra hours, or whatever was needed, but I couldn't stay so long due to the other company in a different place of the world. He told me not to worry about that. He could get me two months notice if I work hard until the last day. I was the hardest worker of my team. During the next 15 days, I asked him every day if he got my letter from HR with my last day because I had a lot of stuff to take care of to move very far away. He always said, stop asking and work hard or you'll stay the three months. Malicious compliance? I have a workstation and a laptop. I have in total four screens. So I opened Facebook in one screen, Twitter on the other screen, news in one screen, internet games in the other. I worked in a very open place where all the big boss can see our screens. So very rarely I opened the news, maybe five minutes per day in the smaller screen top. I did this during lunch break to make sure that when he came back, he would see all of this. He came back to me very angry saying, what the freak are you doing? My reply was, I've called the other company and they're okay if I relocate one month later. So I'll enjoy the rest of the three months here at my place. You can't do that, he replied. So I said, yes, I can. You can only fire me and pay me the full three months notice period. They say, I promise you to have two months notice and now this? I say promises are just a word. Until I get the HR letter saying clearly that my last day is the one we agree with two months notice, I'll keep my four screens like this. So after 15 days, he only took less than one hour to get the letter of HR, and I came back to work normal. Also, he tried to screw up with my pending holidays with a bad report of HR, where I was losing six full-time paid days. At the moment I was leaving, they did find a performance review of my team. And even when I was on notice, I pulled out more work than the other two best members in my team. Never confuse being a professional with letting bullies taking advantage of you. Opie definitely brings up a very solid point. A lot of times in the working world, you might be in a situation where you come to some kind of verbal agreement with somebody that these are the terms that you're going to get once you meet some kind of metric. So you work hard, you achieve that metric, and then you don't get anything. And when asked about it, they come up with some kind of BS excuse or some fake alternative metric that somehow cancels out what you achieved. Basically, if there's going to be goals or incentives, make sure those things are written down and agreed upon officially before you go and put all your hard work, blood, sweat, and tears into it. Our next story is by Austin Trotter. Expense auditors are stupid. Many years ago, I had a travel-heavy job that had me in four, five, or six airports each week, and the airport Starbucks was my standard pit stop, generating a pile of receipts. My monthly travel expenses averaged $3,000. My admin double-entered a $3.50 coffee one month, and I got the call from HQ about it, demanding that I cut a check back to the company ASAP to clear up this overpayment. I say, I'm flying again tomorrow and we'll certainly get a coffee. How about I just don't expense that one and it's a wash? They say, no, can't do that. I say, can't you just debit my next expense check by $350 and it's a wash? They say, no, can't do that. You need to send us a check right now. Okay, understood. I can see that the financial stability of a $2 billion company hinges on my tall, dark roast, no room, double cup, malicious compliance time. Wrote the check, sent the check via FedEx overnight first delivery for $17, and used the corporate account. Net loss of $13.50. 
Explain that fiscal responsibility to corporate. I kind of get how their accounting probably operates with X's and O's and very firm structures, but like it doesn't seem that crazy to just debit their future expenses $3.50, especially considering that's a mess up that they made themselves. They're going to go and basically harass OP and say, you gotta send us that check right now. When they were the ones who went and messed up, give OP a second at least. This next story is by Rod Zim. Breaks and lunches are to be taken when the bell rings, period. This happened years ago when I was working at this print shop. The printing presses I used to run were the Flexotype. Basically rubber plates wrapped around a cylinder, each with a different color. This particular press I used to run had probably 200 to 300 feet of paper going through the machine at all times. While they weren't too difficult to operate, they were a pain in the butt to set up. Every color had to be set up and synced, along with the cutting die for the particular label we were making. Once up and running, you had to make minor adjustments to the timing of the color plates and the die. I have to say that these machines were pretty temperamental to get just right. Once you stopped the press, the tension of the paper would change slightly throwing the timing off. Every time the press stops, it usually means 200 to 300 feet of wasted paper on a good day. Knowing this, we used to take our breaks and lunches whenever we had to change paper rolls. 5 to 7,000 feet. Lo and behold, new management came in. They started off by timing our every move with a stopwatch. From setting up dies to cleaning between jobs, they had a meeting after about a week to let us know that things were out of control. They could not tell when somebody was going to lunch or breaks, so they would install a loudest freak bell that would ring indicating break times. Every employee in this shop had been there a minimum of 10 years, myself being the exception. One older operator told me other managements had been trying something similar and to just play along. The very first day, on the first shift, 9am bell rings, so everyone shuts the machines off and go on break, come back from break and start the press. 10 presses, wasting a crap ton of paper to get the thing on sync again, 12pm, again and so forth. I couldn't tell you for sure, but this power move cost them a lot of production and product. I left shortly after. I talked to a guy that still works there, and in the last 15 years, they tried the same move four times, each time going back to the way things were before. Frankly, this is one of those situations of, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. They legitimately do not need anybody coming in here, harping over the times, breaking out the stopwatches like a middle school gym teacher ready for the pacer test, got the orange plastic whistle in their mouths, ready to toot it and say, run, 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 load that paper, run the machine, make those minor adjustments to the timing of the color plates and the die. Over those 15 years, those four times, probably some new person ascended to manager, and their first plan of action is to change things and shake it up around here, get some more productivity out of this old print shop. Just goes to say, when they say that history repeats itself, they're not wrong. That friend of OP's needs to write down a history of that print shop, including the four times over they tried this thing, so people can finally get a clue and learn. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. So of all these stories I've read today, which is your favorite and why? Let me know in the comments down below. And if you haven't yet, if you could like and subscribe, that would mean a lot to me. Whatever you do, whether it's liking, subscribing, turning notifications on, all of it helps grow this channel and I appreciate the heck out of it. So until next time, I'll see you all tomorrow with some more stories.